this is chapter two of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, our classroom read aloud for the fantasy genre unit. I hope you enjoy this chapter and remember to be listening with a post-it note and a pencil so that way you could be jotting down notices, wonders, and thanks. Enjoy this chapter. Lucy had just met the fawn in the woods after going through that secret um, wardrobe out into the forest. Good. Oh, chapter two, what Lucy found there. Good evening, said Lucy, but the fawn was so busy picking up its parcels that at first it did not reply. When it had finished, it made her a little bow. Good evening, good evening, said the fawn. Excuse me, I don't want to be inquisitive, but should I be right in thinking that you are a daughter of Eve? My name's Lucy, she said, not quite understanding him. But you are, forgive me, you are what they call a girl, said the fawn. Of course I'm a girl, said Lucy. You are in fact human? Of course I'm human, said Lucy, still a little puzzled. To be sure, to be sure, said the fawn. How stupid of me. But I've never seen a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve before. I am delighted. This is to say, and then it stopped as if it had been going to say something it had not intended but had remembered in time. Delighted, delighted, it went on. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Tumnus. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy. And may I ask, O Lucy, daughter of Eve, said Mr. Tumnus, how have you come into Narnia? Narnia? What's that? said Lucy. This is the land of Narnia, said the fawn, where we are now. All that lies between the lamppost and the great castle of Caraparavel on the eastern sea. And you? You have come from the wild woods of the west. I, I got in through the wardrobe in the spare room, said Lucy. Ah, said Mr. Tomnus, in a rather melancholy voice. If only I had worked harder at geography when I was a little fawn, I should no doubt know all about these strange countries. It is too late now. But they aren't countries at all, said Lucy, almost laughing. It's only just back there. At least, I'm not sure. It is summer there. Meanwhile, said Mr. Tumnus, it is winter in Narnia and has been for ever so long, and we shall both catch cold if we stand here talking in the snow. Daughter of Eve, from the land, the far land of Spare Oom, where eternal summer reigns around the bright city of Wardrobe, how would it be if you came and had tea with me? Thank you very much, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy, but I was wondering whether I ought to be getting back. It's only just round the corner, said the fawn, and there'll be a roaring fire and toast and sardines and cake. Well, it's very kind of you, said Lucy, but I shan't be able to stay long. If you will take my arm, daughter of Eve, said Mr. Tumnus, I shall be able to hold the umbrella over both of us. That's the way. Now, off we go. And so Lucy found herself walking through the wood arm in arm with this strange creature as if they had known one another all their lives. They had not gone far before they came to a place where the ground became rough and there were rocks all about the little hills up and down, little hills up and down. At the bottom of one small valley, Mr. Tumnus turned suddenly aside as if he were going to walk straight into the unusually large rock. But at the last moment, Lucy found he was leading her into the entrance of a cave. So right there, I'm making a connection to the cave that we saw in the paper bag princess. 
Were you making that connection as well? As soon as they were inside, she found herself blinking in the light of a wood fire. Then Mr. Tumnus stooped and took a flaming piece of wood out of the fire with a neat little pair of tongs and lit a lamp. Now we shan't be long, he said, and immediately put a kettle on. Lucy thought she had never been in a nicer place. It was a little dry, it was a little dry, clean cave of reddish stone with a carpet on the floor and two little chairs. One for me and one for a friend, said Mr. Tumnus. And a table and a dresser and a mantelpiece over the fire, and above that a picture of an old fawn with a grey beard. In one corner there was a door which Lucy thought must lead to Mr. Tumnus's bedroom, and on one wall was a shelf full of books. Ooh, this is a room that Miss Lindsay would really like to be in. Lucy looked at these while he was sitting over the tea things. They had titles like The Life and Letters of Silness, or Nymphs and Their Ways, or Men, Monks, and Gamekeepers, A Study in Popular Legend, or Is Man a Myth? Now, Daughter of Eve, said the fawn. And really, it was a wonderful tea. There was a nice brown egg, lightly boiled for each of them, and then sardines on toast, and then buttered toast, and then toast with honey, and then a sugar-topped cake. That's a lot of toast. And when Lucy was tired of eating, the fawn began to talk. He had wonderful tales to tell of life in the forest. He told about the midnight dances and how the nymphs who lived in the wells and the dryads who lived in the trees came out to dance with the fawns about long hunting parties after the milk-white stag who could give you wishes if you caught him, about feasting and treasure-seeking with the wild red, wild red dwarfs, that's a tongue twister, you guys, <laughs> in deep mines and caverns far beneath the forest floor, and then about summer, when the woods were green and old, stillness on his fat donkey would come to visit them, and sometimes back as himself. And then the streams would run with wine instead of water, and the whole forest would give itself up to jollification for weeks on end. Now that it isn't always winter, not that it isn't always winter now, he added gloomily. Then to cheer himself up, he took out from its case on the dresser a strange little flute that looked as if it were made of straw and began to play. And the tune he played made Lucy want to cry and laugh and dance and go to sleep all at the same time. It must have been hours later when she shook herself and said, Oh, Mr. Tumnus, I'm so sorry to stop you, and I do love that tune, but really, I must go home. I only meant to stay for a few minutes. It's no good now, you know, said the fawn, laying down its flute and shaking its head at her very sorrowfully. No good, said Lucy, jumping up and feeling rather frightened. What do you mean? I've got to go home at once. The others will be wondering what has happened to me. But a moment later, she asked, Mr. Thomas, whatever is the matter? For the fawn's brown eyes had filled with tears, and then the tears began trickling down its cheeks, and soon they were running off the end of its nose, and at last it covered its face with its hands and began to howl. Mr. Tumnus, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy in great distress. Don't, don't, what is the matter? Aren't you well? Dear Mr. Tumnus, do tell me what is wrong. But the fawn continued sobbing as if its heart would break. And even when Lucy went over and put her arms around him and lent him her handkerchief, he did not stop. He merely took the handkerchief and kept on using it, wringing it out with both hands whenever it got too wet to be any more use, so that presently Lucy was standing in a deep, in a damp patch. Mr. Tumnus, bawled Lucy in his ear, shaking him, do stop, stop it at once. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, a great big fawn like you. What on earth are you crying about? Oh, 
Oh, oh, sobbed Mr. Tomnus. I'm crying because I'm such a bad fawn. I don't think you're a bad fawn at all, said Lucy. I think you're a very good fawn. You are the nicest fawn I've ever met. Oh, you wouldn't say that if you knew, replied Mr. Tomnus between his sobs. No, I'm a bad fawn. I don't suppose there's ever been a worse fawn since the beginning of the world. But what have you done, said Lucy. My old father now, said Mr. Tomnus. That's his picture over the mantelpiece. He would never have done a thing like this. A thing like what, said Lucy. Like what I've done, said the fawn, taken service under the white witch. That's what I am. I'm in the pay of the white witch. So there's a new character there. The white witch, who is she? Why, it is she that has got all Narnia under her thumb. It's she that makes it always winter. Always winter and never Christmas. Think of that. How awful, said Lucy. But what does she pay you for? That's the worst of it, said Mr. Tumnus with a deep groan. I'm a kidnapper for her. That's what I am. Look at me, daughter, daughter of Eve. Would you believe that I'm the sort of fawn to meet a poor innocent child in the woods, one that had never done me any harm, and pretend to be friendly with it, and invite it home to my cave, all for the sake of lulling it to, lulling it to sleep and then handing it over to the white witch? No, said Lucy. I'm sure you wouldn't do anything of the sort. But I have, said the fawn. Well, said Lucy rather slowly, for she wanted to be truthful, yet not too hard on him. Well, that was pretty bad, but you're so sorry for it, and then I'm sure you'll never do it again. Daughter of Eve, don't you understand, said the fawn. It isn't something I have done. I'm doing it now, this very moment. What do you mean, cried Lucy, turning very white. You are the child, said Tumnus. I have orders from the white witch that if I ever saw a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve in the wood, I was to catch them and hand them over to her. And you are the first I've ever met. And I've pretended to be your friend and asked you to tea. And all the time I've been meaning to wait till you were asleep and then go and tell her. Oh, but you won't, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy. You won't, will you? Indeed, indeed, you really mustn't. And if I don't, said he, beginning to cry again, she's sure to find out and she'll have my tail cut off and my horns sawn off and my beard plucked out. And she'll wave her hand over my beautiful cloven hoofs and turn them into horrid solid hoofs like a wretched horse's. And if she is extra and specially angry, she'll turn me into stone and I shall be only a statue of a fawn in her horrible house until the four thorns at Care Paravel are filled the goodness knows when that will happen and whether it will ever happen at all. I'm very sorry, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy, but please let me go home. Of course I will, said the fawn. Of course I've got to. I see that now. I hadn't known what humans were like before I met you. Of course I can't give you up to the witch. Not now that I know you, but we must be off at once. I'll see you back to the lamppost. I suppose you can find your way from there, back to spare oom and wardrobe. I'm sure I can, said Lucy. We must go as quietly as we can, said Mr. Tumnus. The whole wood is full of her spies. Even some of the trees are on her side. They both got up and left the tea things on the table, and Mr. Tumnus once more put up his umbrella and gave Lucy his arm. And they went out into the snow. The journey back was not at all like the journey to the fawn's cave. They stole along as quickly as they could without speaking a word, and Mr. Tumnus kept to the darkest places. 
Lucy was relieved when they reached the lamppost again. Do you know your way from here, daughter of Eve, said Tumnus. Lucy looked very hard between the trees and could just see in the distance a patch of light that looked like daylight. Yes, she said, I can see the wardrobe door. Then be off home as quick as you can, said the fawn. And can, can you ever forgive me for what I meant to do? Why, of course I can, said Lucy, shaking, her heartily, shaking him heartily by the hand. And I do hope you won't get into dreadful trouble on my account. Farewell, daughter of Eve, said he. Perhaps I may keep the handkerchief? Rather, said Lucy, and then ran towards the far-off patch of daylight as quickly as her legs would carry her. And presently, instead of rough branches brushing past her, she felt coats, and instead of crunching snow under her feet, she felt wooden boards. And all at once she found herself jumping out of the wardrobe into the same empty room from which the whole adventure had started. She shut the wardrobe door tightly behind her and looked around, panting for breath. It was still raining, and she could hear the voices of the others in the passage. I'm here, she shouted. I'm here. I've come back. I'm all right. So if you want, you can re-listen again to chapter two, focusing on setting, focusing on character descriptions. We did um, meet the white witch through the description of Fawn, so we didn't actually meet her, but she was described to us so you can start thinking about that character and you can start thinking about Fawn as well and how he's really quite complex he's done something really naughty but he had this sort of mental wonder if he should do it and then he found a way to get Lucy back to the wardrobe so have a think about those elements from chapter two and I'll see you for chapter three